they're gonna try to do like echoes of all the entire original trilogy in this movie so they could shoot off in a completely different direction as it goes on but it's like yeah it's really ambitious cough the like 30 minutes of star wars spoilers um all right boys and girls your attention please presenting a new exciting radio program faster than an airplane more powerful than a locomotive impervious to bullets Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Thought Bubble. It's Wednesday, August 12th, 2015. This is issue number 24. Hello, Dave. Dude, 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 dude. It's all 20, 24 sounds, no? Oh, I never watched 24. Oh, well, if you had, it would be in bed. That would have been a hilarious sound-based joke. Yeah, that's right. Audio <laughs> humor. Um, we're living in a world where Dave just like held forth about Star Wars for 15 minutes, but you don't get to hear about that because this is not a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, but it's this- out there. So everybody feel... <laughs> Thank you all for your emails about spoilers, by the way, even though we yeah. took a week off... Uh, for my birthday and Joanna went to a wedding. Um, that's not specifically why, it's just scheduling. Uh, I did read all of them, and it seems like those of you that took the time to write in uh, not only have given it a lot of thought, but seem okay with the direction that we go into, but more importantly, gave it a lot of thought, which is really all I ask for these days. Yeah, we got you know massive essays about spoiler culture which was so interesting so thank you guys very much um so yeah so we're just gonna keep on keep it on with what we do because no one wrote in and told us we were terrible human beings so uh yeah another week be- that didn't happen <laughs> it's gonna be business as usual on the thought bubble um so uh, let's start with a very innocuous spoiler which is about um the black panther in that we saw a photo of Ch- either Chadwick Boseman or his stunt double on the set of Captain America Civil War in costume. And the costume looks a lot like the concept art, so I don't think that we can be too surprised. Um, did you have any thoughts on, on the uh, the costume that we saw? Um, uh, it does look a lot like the concept art, which is good because the concept art looked very sleek and it's always interesting to see how that's going to be pulled off, especially when it's like a sleek versus texture world in Marvel versus DC these days. And I was also very surprised to see, um, how distinct the markings on his mask are, uh, which I'm assuming is going to make him look really angular which will allow him to sort of express himself by changing the angle of his head. You know, basically like everything the Rocketeer got wrong, this helmet seems to get right, which <gasps> I'm in favor I of. I love the Rocketeer. How dare you? No, it's a great helmet, but it's not good for being expressive, which is why he That's has true. to take it off all the time in order wouldn't, to do his acting. Wouldn't a more accurate uh, updated reference be like uh, learn from Dr. Doom's mistakes? Yes, right. But, but that was just basically, you know, so they could ADR any sort of dialogue right. without having to change lip flap. But yeah, that's sort of that's a that's another one. 
Yeah. So a helmet's where you can't articulate, uh, you know, your face, make it hard to give a good performance. And there are different, like, design ways to go around that. So you have the, you know, uh, the semi-transparent Green Goblin mask in the first Spider-Man, which was their solution for the one, you know, showdown they felt like they needed to see Willem Dafoe's face beneath it. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's interesting to see as we go forward, how they learn to design around like non-expressive helmets. Deadpool is also really interesting in the sense of how they animate his eyes. So like you could put Ryan Reynolds in the suit and have him massage Conan, but it looks dead because you need to go back and do a pass on his eyebrows and make it expressive. (laughs) Otherwise it's creepy to have like a screaming Ryan Reynolds under a non-expressive mask. Yeah, now I want to rewatch the Deadpool trailer and just like look at his eyebrows to see what they're doing. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, the, the the Chad McBoseman costume. Um, you know, it's hard to tell from one fuzzy photo that might not even be a finished product. Maybe, possibly, but um, they went really like fairly subtle with the ears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite, you know. Catwoman's ears are her goggles uh, subtle, but um, you know, it's it's like a gentle curving and it, it has to do with some of the markings that are on his costume, which I suppose we will find out sort of the, the Wakandan backstory of what he's wearing, presumably in his own movie. B.S. Uh, without saying too much in our general listening segment, uh, what a Black Panther is and how it relates to the Chadwick Boseman character Chikala will be explored and explained. In Black Panther or in, in Civil, Civil War? War? Oh, okay. And um, if if uh, if you don't want to know who he's with in that photo, I guess don't click, but he's also with a character, which I guess is, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Not really all that interesting. We know that character's coming. But Yeah, if you saw the end of Ant-Man, you know that character's <laughs> in the movie. You were probably also <laughs> suspecting it if you saw the end of uh, The Winter Soldier. Yes. Uh, or if you know anything about that actor's contract. Okay. Um, so our next uh, topic... No, we're not going to talk about Fantastic Four yet. We will save that delightful gem for later. <laughs> Um, there was good news out of the upfronts this week, uh, for fans of Constantine, uh, the show was canceled on NBC and, you know, there was some thought of, is it going to uh, be resurrected on sci-fi? You know, what's going to happen to it? This is like the, the fans of Constantine are some of the most optimistic fans that I've ever encountered. (laughs) Cause I, you know, like I was pretty sure it was dead from the jump and they were like, no, but what about, what about this option? Anyway, it turns out I was almost wrong because there is new life at least for the character dave what's what's the news on constantine uh he is going to guest star on arrow matt ryan's constantine they will have his costume and everything is striding into the cw part of the dc universe he'll be coming back according to the executive producer of arrow wendy i think her name's last name is pronounced miracle which is actually kind of amazing uh According to her, she's, he's going to be in the fourth episode of the season, which will uh, somehow involve also how Sarah Lance comes back from the dead because she needs to be the White Canary before jumping off to Legends of Tomorrow because she's dead in universe right now. But like all comic book characters, not really dead. Does Legends of Tomorrow have a later start date than Arrow? Like is this or are there going to be a few episodes of Legends of Tomorrow without her? I would assume Legends of Tomorrow has a later start date. Okay. 
Um, I will Google that next time you're talking about something. Okay. So I'm going to talk about a couple things. Um, yeah, as my, as as Dave said, that they are bringing over the costume, like and props from the actual um, NBC show, and it's sort of a crazy, unprecedented uh, collab—not unprecedented, but uh, not often precedented—collaboration between NBC and and the CW, which is owned by CBS. So, so it's kind of crazy to have this character crossover um, within within the same universe. But I guess since it's all ultimately a DC run, uh, uh, machine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It gets complicated. Um, yeah, I mean, but there's, it's interesting because also at the TCAs, when Supergirl did its presentation, they were very insistent that she was not going to jump over to the CW. Uh, so it's funny that it's like, once, once you're canceled, you could go ahead and jump wherever you want. But if, yeah, you're, and if it's, it's still a war going on between networks, stay in your... In your- well, but it's weird because CW is owned by uh, Showtime or CBS. Like, you know, CBS, Showtime, CW, all, all the same company, right? So it's that's way weirder that Supergirl's not going to cross over. Um, but that being said, yeah, and, and like, especially... Um, since they did that like promo photo shoot and Melissa Benny Austin, uh, Grant Gustin just looks so cute doing promotional work together. So why wouldn't you want those two in the same area? Come on. Flash musical. Um, um, yeah. My, my one thought was that, that I mentioned off air is that maybe if Supergirl ends up not doing very well, that a crossover might be something that they do to sort of, uh, you know, tweak the ratings or anything like that okay what were you gonna say uh well i guess off of that uh the initial thing that i was going to say is uh legends is going to be a mid-season so arrow okay. and flash are both going to lead into it both with uh, that makes sense. captain cold heat wave obviously flash is going to be a little bit more ready to introduce a time traveling character than arrow is going to be probably uh because we're going to have jay garrick uh, in their october premiere uh the flash with the, the mercury headed flash that's what a metal hat with wings on it says to Dave's mind. Mercury. Mine too. It said Mercury to me as well. Okay, yes. good. So as long as we're all on the same page, that's that's also going to be on Flash. So yeah, they're going to build towards uh, mid-season's Legends. So I could guess, I guess the mid-season finales for both of these shows are going to be like certain characters disappearing for a while. Who knows? Be fun. Um, you know, fingers crossed someone dies again uh, in a total bullshit cliffhanger. Okay. Um, over on Agent Carter... Uh, hopping over to the Marvel side of things, um, they announced that Madame Mask is going to be one of the, or if not the main villain of the Agent Carter series, which is set in LA. And I think a little, is it like in the 50s? It's a little later, right? Yes, it is a little bit later, but I'm not okay. exactly sure if they've given a year yet. So yeah, so Madame Mask, which is really exciting, and, and they had previously announced that Constance Zimmer is going to be an antagonist of sorts over on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, so you know, whether or not she's like a good guy antagonist or a bad guy antagonist, I don't know, but, um, you know, it's it's going to be a good year for women with dark bobbed hair in Marvel, I As think. As opposed to most years <laughs> with for women with dark bob hair in the movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Chloe Bennett cut off her hair too as like to try to look more like Daisy I guess in the comics um, but yeah Madame Mask is a character that, that I just read up on uh, while reading um, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye 
Uh, she's a great villain. She's yeah. really creepy. I think it's and- actually the last canonical West Coast Madame Mask. So you back, you're probably closer than the rest of us. Oh, excellent. And uh, yeah, exactly. Well, she seems just to fit into the the glamour LA sort of uh, vibe that I could see that they might be going for. So, Yes, the constant Zimmer glamour LA vibe. It's going to be great. <laughs> We're going to watch her smoke out of like a cigarette holder. It's going to be awesome. Well, no, but Constant Zimmer is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's not, Constant Zimmer is not playing Madame Mask. They said they have the the actress, they just won't say who it is. So I'm guessing it's going to be another one of those things like we're going to meet her in Agent Carter and not know uh, that she's Madame Mask. Um, Constance Zimmer's on, on the other show, but I'm just saying like Madame Mask in the comics has dark bobbed hair is, is my recollection. Oh, oh, got it. Well, I still want Constance Zimmer to smoke a cigarette out of a cigarette holder. You know, who doesn't really? Who doesn't? Um, okay. And then let's talk about the potential. I mean, now's the time when we're going to talk about the Ben Affleck nanny scandal just kidding nah. we're not gonna do that uh but we are gonna it's talk about comics adjacent uh, it is it is uh, daredevil cheats on electra <laughs> um by thinking he's batman um but ben affleck uh, okay so something's going on in terms of rumblings about ben affleck doing three batman movies mm-hmm. what what do you what do we know about that dave um uh, first of all we don't really know anything but apparently the rumor came that batman v superman screened for executives who gave it a standing ovation which doesn't really mean anything um and then they offered ben affleck to extend his batman deal to make a batman trilogy uh what the last i heard ben affleck had a five picture deal which is what allowed us to sort of uh guess that there was going to be a solo batman like a year ago because it would be batman versus superman justice leagues part one and two suicide squad and one solo batman movie it seems weird that they would try to add anything onto that before even one of those opens because they already have him for five through 2018 ben affleck's going to be batman uh it just seems really unlikely that in this time of not only his like personal turmoil but like basically he's still coming off of being a multi like an oscar winning director like to click into something like batman for the next 12 years i think it seems unlikely to me that there uh would be able to get him into that deal if they were actually pursuing that deal through logic but i don't i mean i haven't heard anything new since this screening of batman v superman went down about Ben Affleck, just that they liked it. So, but some people are assuming that um, they lured him with the promise that he could direct one of the films, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's probably going to be able to direct his solo uh, movie, I would think, if he wants to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Batman, if Ben Affleck wants to do Batman. I was watching uh, bits of Goodwill Hunting the other day and just laughing when he came <laughs> on screen, being like, "How far we've come!" <laughs> First, Kevin Smith believed in you. Then Matt Damon believed in you. Now America believes in you, Batman. But we'll see. Um. All right, and heading back over to Marvel and television, we should talk about the X-Men show that Fox is like actually very serious about developing now. Uh, it's been in theoretical development for a very long time, but they're actually going to do an X-Men show, but with some caveats because there's some questions about rights 
and which characters can show up, et cetera, et cetera. So what are your thoughts, Dave? Well, the li- the X-Men can show up animated on Disney shows. Disney has that part of TV. But in terms of the live action, in the representation of mutants, uh, that's really shady territory. So in 2001... Uh, Disney tried to pro- Marvel, sorry, not Disney. Marvel tried to produce a series called Mutant X that was basically like other uh, mutant characters, and they were putting them on TV. This was, of course, like recently. They started developing this recently after they sold X Men off to uh, Fox the first time. So, uh, and everybody ended up suing each other, suing, countersuing, trying to stop production. Some of Mutant X aired, from what I understand. I never actually got to see it. It starred a reverse reverse Flash guy. This was his introduction into superhero television. Um, And uh, because of that, everybody, I mean, eventually Mutant X faded away and became like a footnote in history that was like, here's why you don't mess with calling mutants something else and trying to get away with it. So ever since then, if anybody wants to put a live-action mutant show on TV, it behooves them to come to an agreement beforehand so nobody, you know, sues to stop production like they did on Mutant X and everybody loses money. So Marvel and uh, Fox have been discussing an X-Men TV series since, from what I understand, uh, when Days of Future Past did well enough to basically resurrect the franchise again uh, from where X3 and X-Men Origins Wolverine put it. They started exploring the options of uh, getting it on television. And it's still just they're trying to reach an agreement with Marvel. But apparently those talks have been fruitful. And every, you know, TCA, Fox would love to have it on because Fox is just going to... Fox the channel is just going to be buying it from another production company. Um, much like they just buy Gotham, so they're not like basically no uh, conflict of interest, but then they could have a Marvel show and a DC show on their channel, which they see as a financial benefit. So it's everybody is uh, in a standoff over just which characters can be included, uh, what sort of universe it would take place in. Right now, it looks like Fox is pushing to have it take place in their cinematic universe and uh, not sort of mess around with the other Marvel TV shows. Even though there, like a Marvel deal is required, that doesn't mean there's going to be a sharing like there is with like Sony and Spider-Man. They just want to make sure nobody gets sued by the time production starts. Was that was that too long of an answer? No, no, it's good. Very, very detailed. But like X Men, basically anything that has to do with like law and the X Men is like interesting. Like they changed how U.S. custom law deals with like importing action figures versus dolls. Like the X Men legal battles are always the best. Yeah, and they have like a lot of minutia to them. Um. Yeah, and I don't know. It's so interesting what Fox is doing to try to try to make everything work for them, uh, which would dovetail nicely into probably the main thing we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode, which is the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. Uh, if you as wa- long as we need to talk about Fantastic well, Four. Well, yes. if you want to hear Dave's like really in-depth, you know, like I want to talk about this for as long as you want to talk about it. But, uh, you know, I don't want to make you rehash anything you've done before. So just to make sure you're covering all your all your bases, if you want to listen to the Fighting the War Room um, review episode from Sunday, I think it was, uh, where our friend Matt Patches and Dave really got into Fantastic Four. 
Um, that treats it like totally like a movie. This is a, I'm si- excited to be here because I think we could talk about like all of it more so than in my yeah. I mean, so this yeah this is this is the direction you kept getting kind of pulled in when you were trying to give a review is that you were like yes I understand empirically that this is a bad movie but as an oddity I think is what you called it as an oddity as as this relic of weird Franken filmmaking um, it's compelling yes. right. Yeah. Um, not good, but it like intriguing, you know, and we'll remember it as an example. This is an example we're gonna bring up from years and years and years. We're like, remember that time when a studio and maybe an untested director tried to put together a comic book movie and the results were disastrous. Um so yeah, so I'll I'll just give a few more little introductory comments, which is to say I have not seen this movie, guys, but I've read a lot about it, so I'm not compl- you know I know what happened, so I'm not completely ignorant. But you feel free to take any of my opinions with a grain of salt because I didn't actually waste my money to watch this movie. Um, Dave has put a lot of good information out on the internet about what was originally filmed for the movie and what's not in it. And we're going to talk about some of it. But if you want to go look at his Twitter feed or you wrote about this on, on geek.com, Dave. I did. Yeah, you can you can read um, more, like at least a complete or more complete sort of assessment of what's there, what's missing. Yeah, uh, I wish it was complete, but it's still going on. Like I saw I mean, a yeah. UK trailer the other day that still had stuff that wasn't in the movie. So I mean, it's fascinating. It's really extremely fascinating as like an, you know, to play like, you know, <laughs> we're not going to talk about true detective, but to, to play detective <laughs> and try to try to piece together um you know what happened here. I'll do True Detective season three with you, Joanna. Oh, that'd be so fun! True Detective season three, David Joanna figure out what happened with Fantastic Four. <laughs> Josh Trank is definitely the Yellow King, or he's like under a bird mask. I don't know. No, it would be know. great. It would be like you and I strolling into a New Orleans house with a whole bunch of damage done to it by a whole bunch of dogs, apparently, <laughs> and being like, "Can we prove these were Josh Trank's dogs?" And what? Where does Simon Kinberg play into it? Uh. Midway through, he's like the one we're pretty sure he does it, but then, like, as we're interrogating him, he gets shot in the head by like Darth Vader. Oh, yeah, Ugh, Darth Vader, so dastardly. Okay, so I mean, where do you want to start with this? Do we start with Kate Mara's reshoot wig? Do we start with, I don't know, the like, I mean, it's just mind boggling what's not in the film that is played up so heavily in the trailers, like, like, um. Jamie Bell hitting baseballs like that's not in the film at all yeah no not in the film at all uh, and that's crazy because to me that's like one of the more enduring images from the trailer is this very atmospheric like junkyard you know baseball scene <laughs> I don't know why I mean you mentioned um, when you were talking to Patches about this you mentioned almost a sort of like Amblin entertainment um, you know the kids tinkering with science yeah and there's more of that too of like in one of the yeah. teasers there's a shot of reed like at his as a child at his kitchen table and there's another line from tim heidecker who plays reed richards's dad uh like something about like you, you need to focus on something or other reed but like there's tons of evidence that there's a lot more in this movie that was like a crazy sci-fi movie about like little kids building a portal to another dimension and figuring out things like there's this uh 
underlying theme to the movie that like millennials are sort of fixing the previous generation's problems. I'm not sure how much that is what somebody thought was salvageable from the movie and how much that was originally in the movie, but there's definitely like a fun, like grim sci-fi film about being oh, young. Oh, grim. And... Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's a pun um, that I made that the movie made only in its trailers. Uh, um, yeah, Jamie Bell, they, his voice is inconsistent in the trailers when he turns into the thing. Sometimes he sounds like Jamie Bell. Sometimes it's processed like it is in the movie. It's just so weird. The last shots of this movie where they come up with the name Fantastic Four, it looks like the thing they had like two days to put him in. But, like, obviously, this was always going to be part of the movie, so why not spend more money to do a pass on that instead of doing a pass on entire thing sequences that aren't in the movie, like him dropping out of a stealth bomber? And you Yeah, know, that's another enduring image from the up. trailer is, like, the thing's big action set piece where he drops out of the sky, and that's not in the movie. Okay, uh, I should have said this at the top, but, I mean, we're just going to talk about Fantastic Four, like... You know, so take that as a spoiler warning or not if you want to. But, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, like you're not going to go into it wanting you're going you're the only reason you're going to go see the Fantastic Four at this point is out of morbid curiosity. The word of mouth on this is so potent that I don't think there's anyone going to see this like with any hope other than like Miles Teller's mom with any hope that this is a good movie. Well, the interesting thing is I could tell the more interesting things I could tell everybody are things that aren't in the movie that you could see right now by going to YouTube because there's very little to be spoiled about the movie. If you know like if you have the general idea of who the Fantastic 4 is either because you like read comics back in the day or because you saw either of the Tim Story movies, like you know there's like four people that get, you know, affected uh, by going to another dimension or by space gas or something. And their one friend named Victor goes crazy and they have to fight him because he's Dr. Doom. Is he even their friend, though? Like, isn't he just a guy who is like has a bad attitude and is not really their friend to begin with? No, he's got to have some sort of pre-existing relationship with. Oh, you mean sort of in Fantastic Four lore, not necessarily specifically the relationships that were well established in this movie. Right. Well, what I'm saying is that like this movie attempts, this formula. To, attempts to do all these things yeah. and you know hits all the signposts because that's what a Fantastic Four story is. It's just so inert that like me and then like they've released all the surprising things. Like there's the the, the clip they released the day it came out is Doctor Doom walking down a hallway like exploding heads that takes place when there's 15 minutes of the movie left, and that is literally the most thrilling thing that's going to happen for the rest of the movie. Because it just ends in this weird uh, CGI showdown that was obviously made up from pieces of reshoots. Uh, and so it's like, it's, it, I, I can't, I don't even, I can't think of anything I would tell you about this movie if I was trying to spoil it for you. So one, one email that we got, um, which I thought was an interesting question, is, okay, so there's no doubt that this was bad, whether it was bad because it was wrestled away, away from Josh Trank, who did have a vision, or whether his vision was bad to begin with. Um, this is a bad movie. What, and, you know, the uh, consensus is that the, you know, uh, earlier movie from early aughts, right? Or it wasn't late nineties, early aughts, right? Um, with Chris Evans and Ewan Griffiths and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Michael Chiklis 
Jessica Alba. Okay, done. Uh, was also bad. So what you know, but I saw some of my friends who are into comic books get upset, uh, take umbrage with the concept that you can't make a good Fantastic Four film. They're like, of course you can make a good Fantastic Four film. But what does that look like to you, Dave Gonzalez? Like, what do you think, if you were given a gajillion dollars, what would your Fantastic Four movie look like uh, that this it movie isn't? be Brad Bird's The Incredibles, but Mr. Incredible would be made of rocks. <laughs> uh, but, like, that's okay. exactly it. You have the invisible girl, the fast kid is basically just Johnny Storm, but he doesn't light on fire. Uh, stretchy mom needs to care about everybody, and uh, dad needs to feel powerful, but is, is, you know, being forced to be ostracized socially. It's, like, all sort of there, but more importantly, it's fun and they're a family and yeah. those are the two things that are motivating everything that happens and f- fun and family come second to plot in every fantastic four screen incarnation and especially in this one like it seems that you know what we can determine from what was uh, you know the fingerprints that are there is that what josh trank wanted to do in the first place was not a fun family um, film, not not no. It was like for family horror, body horror, sci-fi. Yes, you you talked about um like Cronenberg. You 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 invoked Cronenberg and sort of yeah. He, this... he invoked Cronenberg in okay. an interview in uh Jan- late January when they were trying to talk about uh that everybody got news there's going to be reshoots. We heard it was going to be extensive. We heard it was going to be a whole new ending. And some people had been hearing that Josh Trank wasn't even going to be shooting it at all. Um, but then uh, they kind of came out, Trank and Kinberg, Simon Kinberg, the producer, came out and did like a press offensive being like, no, everything's fine. And that's where they said a whole bunch of things that ended up not being true. Like this is a body horror film that's like sort of off Cronenberg. And uh, Josh Trank's like, my cut is two hours and 20 minutes. He'll probably end up being around like two hours and 10 minutes. The movie's 93 minutes long in its ultimate cut. That's crazy. Uh, and then like also talking about like at some point in the press, Victor becomes Victor Von Doom. Because right, because he had like a different last name. He was an t- entirely different character. If you yeah. watch the movie, there's one scene that remains of his old character, which is weird because they ADR line, like, better clean yourself up to explain why he looks completely differently when he shows up to be like part of the science team. But uh, yeah, I think he was originally supposed to be a hacker that uh, like was just like super connected to um, uh, technology and maybe like definitely also involved uh, in the making the portal. But you know, was also more involved in what went wrong than he is in the the current. But I, and I think that's really interesting, you know, because like Cronenberg's best or my favorite Cronenberg. Um, is the fly and that is Cronenberg, right? Now yeah. I'm having doubts. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, is the fly and the fly, you know, is so much about this, um, brilliant science, uh, brilliant scientist. And then just, you know, a thing going wrong and then dealing with the horror of that. Um, I think that's just such a brilliant film. And so it, it will be interesting. It, it is interesting to sort of zag there from, the Fantastic Four, it's not like, yay, we got these powers. It's like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening to us? This is 
horrifying. Right. I and mean, that's, that's always been a thing, like, from very early on, is Reed is motivated by guilt. Like, no matter how smart he is, and he is the smartest and pushes himself to be the smartest uh, against his own happiness and better judgment a lot of the time, he's never smart enough to fix what he did to his friends and his loved ones. And so right. that's what, like, drives Reed Richards, in which they sort of play out in this movie. But the problem is that when this movie decides there needs to be internal conflict, it pits the two characters against... It pits the characters against each other in ways that they would not. Like, it makes uh, Sue and Johnny be on different idealistic sides of, uh, like, the government, where it's like, those two characters have been together their whole lives. Like, they know where each other stand. They're fine with each other. And they do the same thing with, like, uh, Reed abandons Ben and everybody for For a year. year. It's like, those two characters wouldn't do that. Uh, Why, why, like, what is service plot-wise by him being gone for a year? Uh, they get to a point where they all know how to use their powers in a way that they'd face off against Doom in that big conclusion. But like, I, I'm all the. But stuff- like, why is Ma- is Miles Teller absent from the film during that? No, it cuts to one year later. There's a title card that says one year later, and everything after that one year later title card is just like I'm Frankenstein, nothing. Wow. Um, but like, it, you could sort of see because they cut, they show uh, video footage of. Uh, Michael B. Jordan training to like shoot fireballs and the thing, you know, ripping apart a tank. Uh, and it says like, you know, casualty numbers 43 and it ticks up to like 44. And we're, as we're like watching it and you could tell that that's stuff that was shot for the movie, but it all takes place in this gap. We just jump ahead to all of a sudden they've all learned how to use their powers and they've all stopped trusting each other. Wow. But yeah, and then it's weird, and then, like, Reed shows up, and Ben is like, no, like, you're never gonna fix me, Reed, it's gonna be fine, and then Michael B. Jordan, who, like, maybe knew him for, like, three days, is like, hey, Reed, good to see you, and is completely fine with it, like, the character, the characters are inconsistent over from the first half of the movie to the second half of the movie. Okay, so I, I wanna take a second, and perhaps it's useless to do so, because, um... You know, there's just no clear intention in this film. There's no intention, right? Because it's cobbled together. Mm. But um, I'm I'm amazed that you know. Okay, so from what from what I hear, you know, the guys get drunk and they decide to take their experiment for a spin, and they call Jamie Bell, who's like very far away, and he has to come. But they all forget to notify Sue. And they go without Sue and she gets her powers like by being hit by a random shockwave, but not because she's with them um, in the negative zone or whatever. It's it's renamed, um, you know, and then, and then she's just so hugely sidelined in this film in a film that only has two other females with any speaking roles whatsoever, which is like Reed's mom and then like one lady scientist and they maybe have like a line or two a piece. Um how the fuck does that happen in 2015? Um, well, that happens because one person is building, I'm going to get invisibility powers as a metaphor because I don't feel right. like I'm part of this team. And then right. the rest of the movie is like, oh, but you also need to be the person that can make force fields around the rest of the team and fly through the air. And they don't make an attempt to bridge those two things. Yeah. See, I think that is interesting. Like if that were the case, if, if 
Kate Mara's character felt invisible, felt left behind, and then her power is invisibility. Like, that is interesting. That is I mean, she definitely poignant. comes off the worst of the four of them. Like, if yeah. we were talking about this, like, a season of True Detective, like, she's the she's Vince the Vaughn. She's the kitsch. Oh, she's the Vince Vaughn. No, she's the Vince Vaughn where it's like, somebody sat down and told her the intention, and she acted to it, but something changed around them that made their intention just come off completely wrong. Like the movie changed around Kate Mara's very subdued, very grim, very like almost uh, autistic performance. Like she's like, she needs to listen to music. She's pattern recognition. She doesn't really want to talk to anybody. She doesn't smile. The shot of her smiling in the trailer is not in the movie. She's doing this very grim performance. And it sounds like from some of the stuff we're hearing from like Hollywood Reporter that that's the movie that Josh Trank was trying to get everybody to go for. And Oh, yeah. That whole section where apparently he told them like when to blink and how to breathe in order to give the most like flat affect performance he could possibly get from them right so basically what robert de niro did did to matt damon's performance in the good shepherd which is just told him to not emote anything and so therefore it's like the worst matt damon performance that's crazy like even if even if josh trank's cronenbergian vision were good like why why would you drain the life out of all of your characters all of your performers well because he cast one Mara sister maybe looking for a performance that the other Mara sister usually gives or something like that. Like Kate Mara, Kate Mara can do plenty, but like, why would you, why would you try to like dampen Michael B. Jordan? Who's got a ton of charisma, you know, like why would you, you know, Miles Teller, I don't love as much as a lot of people, but you know, he's, yeah, he's also a very charismatic performer. So why would you cast these performers and then ask them to give like, a flattened performance. What what are you achieving there? Well, uh, I mean, that's something that we'll never get to actually ask because uh-huh. we didn't get to see what became of it. It's just very obvious that something like that happened. Like halfway through, the vision for the film was abandoned, uh, probably along with Josh Trank as a director. And what whoever came in, be it Simon Kidber, be it Drew Goddard, which is now like... I want to know what Drew Goddard's been doing for the past year and a half because he's like linked to everything that's gone wrong. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's such a weird oddity of like it's not it's not like just a bad superhero movie. Like I've sat through you know like X Men's Origins Wolverine that the studio also you know like futzed around yeah. with, and like you know Blade Trinity, which you know uh, Ryan Reynolds and Wesley Snipes like clashed over. Uh, and then, you know, I've also seen like movies based on things that I love, like Eaters of the Dead that like got completely recut by Michael Crichton after John McTiernan turned in a boring cut. So it's like, I've seen this sort of thing happen before. I've just, I can't imagine at any time during the production that Josh Trank, who made a perfectly serviceable movie with Chronicle was actually going in a direction where whatever he was going to try was worse than this. Well, to me, it almost seems like, and, and maybe this is unfair, but it almost seems like Chronicle was interesting despite Josh Trank, possibly. And as much of like a shitbird as, excuse my language, as Max Landis is, mm-hmm. like American Ultra looks at least interesting, you know? And so maybe that's, maybe, you know, maybe this is True Detective season two, that like Max Landis and, you know, the performances from your Dane DeHaan and your and your Michael B. Jordan were enough to elevate Chronicle, you know, and, and the found footage sort of 
vibe of it were enough to elevate Chronicle into seeming to be something interesting. And then, and then when you get more unfiltered Josh Trank, you, you find that that is not what was good about that last project. Right. And that's very possible, but that's not Josh Trank's fault. Uh, that's the studio's fault for being like, it's basically like, what if Colin Trevorrow shit the bed with Jurassic World? We'd be having the exact same Which conversation. But no, not not in the way that it mattered. Right, how, not how in terms you? of dollars. Not in terms <laughs> how, of dollars. How dare you blindside me while I'm talking about an <laughs> objectively bad movie with actual criticism, Joanna. How dare you? Um, but like, that's the cover. That's the conversation I think, we'd have. I think Colin Trevorrow. I really like him as a human much more than I like Josh Trank as a human. But like, I think Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic World is not good. I've, I'm on record with that and. Yeah, he made a bajillion dollars, so no one's no one's going to challenge him. But it, it does continue to be an interesting problem with these untested, um, you know, white male actors. It has nothing to do with them being white and male, but what it does have to do with them being white and male is that they are given this opportunity over other people. But the main problem is just that they're untested, right? You know, I mean, I'm not sure if this is, hmm. Maybe it's representational. I mean, I think green directors are going to be green directors, and you know we're going to see uh, a green, a green male director. Yeah, I guess that's right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're at the point where we're going to get like a female director put on a superhero movie out of like one movie. I think. Well, like, Patty Patty Jenkins, right? Like, what's her CV? Um. Yeah. Or even, you know, like when they were thinking about hiring Michelle McLaren, like she was just a TV director. She's an amazing TV director, but she was just a TV director, you know. So, yeah, the problem is like when if if those films fail, you know, like if a Patty Jenkins films fails, like then it's the gender that has failed and not just this individual, you know. Well, we'll see. And then also it's like we should stop blaming the directors. Like, I mean... Satsi, Gavin Hood Satsi is going to be a fine movie despite the fact that he made X-Men Origins Wolverine and Fox repainted sets while he would go home and take naps like that's just something that's going to happen what happened here is it ran up against a director who also has a different type of personality than somebody who's going to step aside and have a career like your Doug Lyman's or what have you um but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 sort of like what we talked about on the Fighting in the War Room main episode, where it's like it's a shadow movie, and we'll never see right. it. So therefore, it it's the Schrodinger's cat of Fantastic Four movies. Like maybe there was a good thing, and maybe there wasn't. But because I just I have to. I mean, having not seen it, so it's not really fair at all. But I have to agree with Patches, where I just don't. I don't know how it could have been a good movie, a better movie, maybe like a more interesting movie. Cause at least it had a unified vision mm-hmm. maybe, but I, I have a hard time believing that, that like with this whole flat affect performance stuff, I, I have a hard time believing it would have been a good movie, you know? Um, yeah, but... you're right. That we'll, you're right. That we'll never know. Um, and, and if you have it, please do listen to fighting in the war room. Uh, Monday's episode entitled Shadow Movie Something 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 because they do talk about, you know, Ant-Man and, and a couple different movies, Oh Man from Uncle, like a couple different movies that are that have come out that 
you know, one time or another had, you know, either a different director or a different vision or whatever attached to them. So you, so we get preoccupied in our internet detective way uh, in trying to piece together as, you know, we just did just now a little bit what this movie would have been without the interference. Right. right? And I mean, it's, I guess. I I liked doing it with Ant-Man because for me with Ant-Man, it wasn't like I was pissed off about Ant-Man. And so I wanted to figure out like, what was the good Edgar Wright movie that was lost in this blah, blah, blah. I just think it's interesting. Like, oh, yeah. at what point was this added? What, what fingerprints from Edgar Wright do we see? You know, that sort of stuff. Not like, oh, what was the tragic genius Scott Pilgrim-esque movie that we lost because Peyton Reed, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Because like, you know, Peyton Reed came in and did, I think, a perfectly fine job. Uh, this is a different case. This this Fantastic Four situation, I mean, and we're never going to see the full cut, right? I mean, Presumably I'd be we're never going to see. I'd be really surprised. I don't think anybody walked away with the two hour and 20 minute cut if that wasn't a lie. Because I think that they still thought there was going to be like bad blood on this went instantly bad with one Josh Trank tweet. Everybody mm-hmm. was just sort of sort of let it go. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he does moving forward. I would not look for any large studio stuff. Or uh, maybe not even any genre stuff. It's totally up to him to find his own voice or sink into the ether. But this and Star Wars, losing Star Wars is just not a oh, good way man. to start your 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 big career. Or maybe it is. Maybe you're going to be one of those turnaround people, Josh Drake. It's 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 going to be interesting. But it, as somebody who just knows that Fantastic Four can be done, I think we we should really be done with like even attempting to do the origins. Like let okay. them show up. So you're so we know for certain that we're getting a Fantastic Four too. Which I mean, like Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Bell and Kate Mara must be just like doing everything they can to get out of it, which they can't get out of it. But yeah, those, contracts. Those, those poor kids, like. I mean, I don't really feel for Miles Teller, but those are the rest of those poor kids, you know. Um, but what is that movie going to be? I mean, uh, the, you know, they've said that they're going to push it, maybe going to push it until after Deadpool 2, depending on how Deadpool does. Like, we might not see Fantastic Four 2 for a very long time. Hopefully, you know, they, they're hoping we will have forgotten it. And then we're all going to watch Fantastic Four again the year that Fantastic Four 2 comes out. And we're going to be like, oh, my God. Remember how bad this was? Remember the summer 2015 when this movie came out? It was so bad. So what is the sequel going to be, Dave? Like, if the origins are done, mm-hmm. are they just going to, like, reboot it and just pretend really hard that the first one didn't happen? Well, I think... Um, uh- I, th- I don't think you're going to do Origins. I think a lot of what they did with this movie um, when they were, quote-unquote, fixing it might be an indicator. So, like, uh, th- 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 very quickly, the story is taken out of the Baxter building. So nothing happens, like, to New York or in the public eye. Everything is in a secret military facility or... Um, in the planet zero, which isn't named planet zero until halfway through the movie, because I'm convinced it was the negative zone. Like it should have been for most of this movie's production, mm-hmm. but making that it's like you could, uh, transfer between planets or realities with this things they, that they've built. Um, and they existed for an indeterminate amount of time. We know that we see young Reed in 2008, uh, in 2007, 2007 in school, 
which made me feel old. But he, young young Reed is in 2007 exists. But in terms of like what happened in between the time jumps, it's very possible that mutants showed up on the scene and Reed was just not interested because he was focused on his you know crazy science. Like it's very possible that they just pretend like the Fantastic Four and the X Men have always existed in the same universe. Uh, that one has just been kept away from another, and you sort of like let them collide. Uh, the other way would be you know have the fantastic four do what they do and meld dimensions uh days of future past it if you will i will i will yeah um okay but but i think uh at this point if deadpool is as good as everybody seems to think deadpool is at fox at this point that they will make deadpool 2 a x-men more x-men centric movie um, they'll make it PG-13 and they'll put it in the Fantastic Four 2 slot in 2017 to sort of give these characters some time. Uh, the, the license is not reverting back to Marvel anytime soon now that this movie's out. All right. Anything else we want to talk about in terms of this disaster shit show? Um, no. I don't know. I'd be kind of interested in the weird body transformation Fantastic Four movie I'm never going to get. But never never going to get it. Um yeah, I mean, that's that sounds intriguing. It is just weird though that you mention like family, you know, family connection and fun as your building blocks for the Fantastic Four and uh Oh, that I don't doesn't... know. Maybe I don't think it needs to necessarily be a Fantastic Four movie. I guess you're right because the first half of this movie just plays like a weird, tiny geniuses, and we found a portal in another dimension. And I guess I was more on board for that movie than other people were because, yeah, I don't know. It's weird where it's like, okay, so on TV, Sarah Lance is going to be resurrected for the second time on Arrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but every time someone's like they're rebooting Spider-Man again and that's not even going to be an origin story, it's going to show up. It's like I I don't see why there's so much to lose in somebody executing a really weird version of these characters because we're now at the point in the cultural zeitgeist where you're going to accept the new Wolverine when it's not Hugh Jackman cuz someone's going to be like there's Wolverine. And you're going to be like, yeah, oh, that's the Wolverine that's, now. It's going to be such a sad day when there's a new Wolverine. Yeah, well, maybe there won't be if they make Wolverine Cable like he is in the Ultimate Universe and let Hugh Jackman be Cable and technically uh, put on the claws for the last time. Ugh, I hope not. That's a huge, disgusting fake out. But they're like, this is the last time I play Wolverine because now I'm going to play this other character. No. That's more likely than... Ben Affleck signing on for three more Batman movies is uh, Hugh Jackman being like, well, yeah, it's not like I'm in a lot of musicals or anything. Um, Okay. I think that's it for us. Oh, do we want to mention really quickly what we're reading? Oh, sure. I'm reading Kill My Mother by Jules Pfeiffer. It's a graphic novel. It's hardcover. It's like ink wash and loose pens. Uh, it's some sort of uh, noir takes place in the 30s main character wants to kill her mother I haven't gotten far enough to really know if that's the A plot or the B plot or the C plot but I will totally let you guys know uh, when I finish it Um, I'm reading yes I'm reading Air by G. Willow Wilson and uh, it's not great I had to abandon it Uh, maybe I'll come back to it Um, but it's 
I don't know. It's about the anyway. It's it's kind of convoluted, right at the jump. But that doesn't always really that doesn't usually bother me, um, because I like sort of being thrown in in the middle of things. But this seems more the bad kind of convoluted. Like, didn't we already connect those dots for you? And I'm like, no, you did not connect those dots at all. Like, I yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm struggling with that one a little bit. Uh, but that's what I'm reading right now. So. Mm. Got thrown Ugh, in the so, middle, did you? I don't mind getting thrown in the middle if, like, you then – it's either clear that you're supposed to be confused for a while. That's – I mean, that's what Hawkeye is, right? In Hawkeye, my fraction's Hawkeye, you get thrown into something and then it keeps jumping in time. The person who, you know, told me to read that was like, you know, for the first couple issues, you might be confused and just roll with it. And then it all worked out. And it was true. And I wasn't even that confused. But with this, I'm like, okay, clearly you're trying to establish the rules of a universe, but your your plot is too scattershot for, for what you're doing. So um The war was lost. The treaty <laughs> sign. I was not caught across the line. <laughs> Never mind is a is a pretty good attitude to have about things. Um all right. Dave, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me at geek.com, latino-review.com, and forbes.com, and all my podcasting at fightinginthewarroom.com, and tweeting at twitter.com slash da70. If you want to hear Dave try to feebly defend uh, True Detective Season 2, you should indeed. Feeble? Listen. That was still feeble? It's pretty, it's pretty feeble. Just because I don't have good jokes like the Station Agents review of True Detective Season 2 doesn't mean I didn't give it my <laughs> all from a critical standpoint. <laughs> No, I just mean that uh, – well, here's here's an interesting thing about you and, and you can choose to cut this out of the podcast if you want. But for all your sort of like dark, cynical mystique that you have going on, I think you're the nicest out of all of us and the most willing to give something the benefit of the doubt. And maybe you already knew that about yourself. But um, for you to try so hard to find the benefit of the doubt for True Detective Season 2 is uh, is. I don't know. It's interesting. I was not I- caught, though many <laughs> tried. I live among you, well disguised. Never mind. Never mind. All right. I better know what this episode ends with. <laughs> uh, my name is Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com, making fun of True Detective. Uh, you can listen to me make fun of True Detective on the Station Agents podcast. Or you can see me make fun of True Detective on Twitter.com at Joe Wrote This. Uh, we will see you next week. The war was lost. The treaty signed. I was not caught across the line. I was not caught, though many tried. I live among you, well disguised. I had to leave. My life behind I dug some graves You'll never find The stories told With facts and lies I had a name But never mind Never mind Never mind The war was lost The treaty signed There's truth that lives And truth that dies I don't know which, so never mind.